Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We're on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Google Play, Apple iTunes, wherever you subscribe to your podcast. You can always uh, ask Alexa to play the Big Time Talker with Burke Allen, and magically, we will appear. We're uh, brought to you by our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. Thanks to Brian and the gang at SpeakerMatch. If you are a keynote speaker or a meeting planner, get together with one another at SpeakerMatch.com. Hey, we're going to talk sports and leadership today uh, with Claudio Rosano. And, and Claudio has, has been a, a sports fixture in Pittsburgh for many years. And for the last, Claudio, what, 15 years? You've been the head coach at Carnegie Mellon's baseball team, right? Going on 16. If we play this year, 16 years, yeah. Well, thank you for spending time with us. And, and let's start there. Um, how much has the last year and COVID impacted what you do for a living and these kids? Well, it's. I was telling somebody the other day, Burke, and, and first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, it's the first time that I have not put a uniform on since 1974. Um, it is just, uh, it's like your, your body clock says, okay, <clears throat> now it's time to, to go to Florida for spring training. And we also have a fall season. Now it's time to, to start up in, in, in late August, uh, early September. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, so as far as the players are concerned, what, what's really sad is the past two senior classes that I've had, which very special people, they didn't get a chance to play that senior year. And that's really tough. And, um, you know, I'm going to be back. I'm going to coach again, but they're never going to play again. And your senior year, be it in high school or in college, is should be very special. Um, all those years should be special, but especially that, spe- that that senior year. And unfortunately, they didn't get to they didn't get to do it. So uh, but that's, you know, that's where we're at in this world. You know, you I, I, my, my players kind of tease me because I have all these sayings or Claudio isms, as they say. But, <laughs> you know, you, you play the hand that's dealt, obviously. And the other one I always say is uh, it, it happened. We'll deal with it. And we'll move forward. Um, I got that one from Larry Bird. Uh, we'll deal with it. It happened. We'll deal with it and we'll move forward. And, and you know, what else can you do? And uh, so we're waiting until they say that we can play. And, um, and that's it. We'll, we'll go from there. Are you able to have any kind of contact or the kids able to have contact with one another? What what does it realistically look like in terms of the X's and O's and practice or staying in shape or any of that? How does any of that work? Well, we had a few practices in the fall. But we couldn't have a pitcher, batter, and catcher. We could have a pitcher and catcher, but no batter. We could have a pitcher and batter, but no catcher. Then we could have a first baseman, but we he couldn't cover anybody. Or we could have a runner at first, but we couldn't have a first baseman. So, you know, we had to wow. adapt to all these rules, yeah. And as far as us playing this spring, I'm not – we haven't been canceled yet, I don't think. Um, we may – sneak in a game or two maybe i mean really everything's up in the air i i doubt very much we're going to play this spring uh i just don't see it happening and hopefully uh, as i said we do have a fall season we get a lot of games in the fall because of the weather of course here in pittsburgh um so hopefully we can sneak in maybe 12 15 games this coming fall gladio rosano is our guest today he's the head coach uh, head baseball coach at carnegie mellon and Pittsburgh, uh, longtime pro uh, baseball scout. We're going to talk about sports, but I also want to talk about uh, something a little bit deeper and maybe some of the lessons that you've learned from from sports uh, that led you to write your book. The book is Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up. Uh, 
Tell me about that book and tell me what you mean by that. Well, my mom always used to tell me, never speak. She used to say it in Italian, so maybe it sounded better. But uh, she said, never speak from the neck up. Always speak from the heart up. In other words, care about what you say, mean what you say, be passionate about what you say, and and care about the people that you're dealing with. So um, as I turned that around uh, for the book, and I just... I said, lead from the heart up, not the neck up. And I tell you, it was uh, spring of 1993. I was a, I was head coach at the community college of, Al- of Beaver County. And it was a back and forth game, Burke. And, and, and it was a regular season game. And we won the game. And the guys were high-fiving each other, hugging each other. Then they came over to me. And they were hugging me and, and high-fiving me and saying, congratulations, coach. We got that one for you, right? And I, and I remember going to the locker room. And in my office, and I was totally drained, as I am all the time. Vince Lombardi used to say, the greatest feeling in the world is to lie exhausted in victory. The second greatest feeling in the world is to lie exhausted in defeat. I'm always exhausted. I'm always exhausted, right? So, but but then I, I said, why is it that these guys like me? Why is it that they listen to me? Why is it that they play hard for me? And it just hit me. The first thing that hit me is that I'm approachable and I care. And Dick Vermeil the Super Bowl uh, winning coach for St. Louis Rams once said, they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And my players know that I care for them. So through the years, I've seen some things uh, that I wasn't crazy about and and players have shared things with me from their previous coaches. And I'm not here to insult anybody or rip on anybody or say how wonderful I am. I'm just telling you what I heard, what I saw. And then even how I was treated, as a coach, as an assistant coach, not as a player, I was treated well as a player from my coaches, but um, from from some coaches that I worked with slash for, and I decided to write a book and hopefully help people uh, in their leadership. It's not just for coaches either. As I as I, the book's called "Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up: How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office." Because leading people is leading people. It doesn't matter you know, what, what you're where and what form, um, as far as sports or in business or anything like that. So, um, and a lot of people that have read it told me what I wanted to hear. And that is I've changed how I was. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit, I show a little bit more personality, a little more concern, a little more caring. I've read some of your stories, uh, and I'm trying to apply what you're teaching and it's really helped. And the book, Basically, the first part of it, uh, Burke, is some things that uh, how I was treated not so well, as I said, and even some mistakes that I made as a coach. And then the second part of the book is uh, some great questions that was at, that, were, that were asked of me and to me the past couple of years that I wrote them down or I had them in email. And I think I gave some very good answers. And the last part of the book is about 28 former players of mine that I asked to write a testimonial. And I said, write "Write whatever you want, good, bad, long, short. And I was just blown away by the the touching things that they said to me and remembered of me and remembered that I did. And um, and I I think it's a good book. I'm I'm never happy with what I do, Burke. I I always think I can do better, Um, but I'm really happy with this book. And and so far it seems like it's uh, touching, pushing the right buttons. Claudio's book is available at Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Um, so much of, of what you do has such an impact, as you alluded to, on, on so many young people. And, Claudio, I'd love to get your take on 
sort of the old saw that you hear so often. Ah, oh, kids these days. Back in my day, kids were different. <laughs> kids were blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, you're right there with them. And a lot of them every year. And I, and I mean, this is from being, a you know, almost 20 years as a pro baseball scout and as a hands-on coach at the collegiate level for all these years. Mm-hmm. Are kids uh, not as whatever these days? Or are there good kids out there? That's a great question because I always say, I'm sure Burke, you've heard of the old saying, the game, the game has passed the coach by, right? I don't necessarily know that if the, that the game has passed the coach by it's the people have passed the coaches by. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, uh, I mean, look, I've been blessed. I've had some fantastic kids to coach and the, 38 years, 37 years I've been coaching. I mean, there's always one here and I'm sure one, a couple of them don't like me for whatever reason, but, um, look, I, I try to do the old golden rule, treat people how you want treated. And for example, one of the stories in the book, two stories in the book quickly is, and it happened once in 93 and it happened, uh, the same exact same thing happened in 2019 okay. where these, the, these two, um, sets of players, one in 93, one in 19, uh, said, coach, what time is practice over today? I said, well, it's going to be over at, uh, at eight o'clock PM. And they said, would you mind if we left at seven 30? I said, sure. What's, what's going on? Or quarter after seven, quarter after seven. Said, sure. What's, what's going on? So well, we have a concert to go to. I said, well, what time is your concert? That both sets said, both people said eight o'clock. I said, leave now. He said, coach, you know, no, no we, it's at eight o'clock. I said, look, the one kid's name was Doug, and he had a group. And the other kid's name was Casey, and he had a group. I said, "Look, by the time you go to your dorms or to your house, your homes, and you get cleaned up, then you race in the car and you go pick up some friends. Then you go sit in traffic, and then God forbid you're rushing around. You make, you know, God forbid you get into an accident, and you're going to probably get to the concert at eight ten. All right, I don't want that. Leave now. And why did I do that? Because number one. These two groups of kids, players, people deserved it from me because they were good people. And second of all, I didn't want them to get hurt and rush around. Okay. And third of all, I knew that they wouldn't take advantage of that or they wouldn't look at, ah, this isn't important. Practice isn't important. Who cares? Now, they know practice is damn important, but they also know that they're important to me as well. And, you know, those, those group, those two sets always appreciated me doing that. And then one more quick story. There was a kid in 90 um, and he came and I saw him during practice and he just was kind of, he was there and that's the title of the story in my book. He was there, but he wasn't. And I said, uh, Billy, what's the matter? He said, I'm having problems with my girlfriend. And he was just, this kid always was like 110 miles an hour constantly. But this day he was just dragging. I said, go take care of it. He said, what do you mean? I said, go take care of it. Go leave practice. Go take care of it. Go fix it up. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah, get the hell out of here. Go. Hmm. So he he takes off and his eyes got big as home plate. He takes off. And and I remember he told me, he said, you're the only coach that would have ever done that. And and I don't know if I am or not, but I did do it. Why? Because I, Hey, we've all had, you know, girlfriend problems or boyfriend problems or, or sure. school problems, or we've all ha- been through those things. So for me to say, uh, okay, we're here in between the white lines. Now you got to concentrate on baseball. You know what? 
and, and the old line, Burke, I don't care if they like me as long as they respect me. I've never bought into that because if you don't like somebody, you're not going to respect them, in my opinion. And and I, and again, I am going to be who I am, whether some other coaches. I, I got to tell you one more quick story. I'll never forget. I, I forgot what year it was, 2007 or nine, whatever. No, it couldn't have been nine, whatever it was. But uh, there was a World Series game, and four of my players were trying to go watch the game. And this one sports bar was just jam-packed. This other place was jam-packed. And uh, they said, Coach, what's the score? I said, aren't you guys watching it? I said, nah. I said, well, it hasn't started yet. Just yes. You're more welcome to come to my house and watch it if you want. So they came to my house and they watched it. My wife set some things up. And I had a coach call me because he wanted to know some details about our upcoming game. And he said, hey, I'm, I, I hear you have company in the back. I'm sorry. I said, no, that's okay. It's just a couple of my players watching, watching the World Series. He says, oh, that's a cardinal sin. I said, why is that? He said, because they'll never listen to you again. I said, what do you mean? He says, you watch. They'll never respect you again because they're looking at you now as somebody different than a coach. Hmm. And I said, well, number one, if they did that, trust me when I tell you, it wouldn't, they wouldn't go too damn far because I wouldn't put up with it. That's for sure. I mean, I would make damn sure real quick in a hurry that they would know that wasn't the thing to say or do to me. Number two, these kids aren't that type of people. They're good people. Number three, they tried even harder for me. Okay. And um, so, again, um, to, my dad used to say you can get more bees with honey than you can with mustard. Okay. Well, makes and, a lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. And you, you want people to, to care. And, and I got to add this. And I apologize. I hope I'm not uh, taking your too much time here from you. But, and, and I have this in the book. Um, and it was on my birthday in, I forgot what year it was, 2007, I think it was. And if we win this game, we were going to have the most wins ever at Carnegie Mellon University for the baseball team. And I really wanted to win this game because that team deserved that that title of having the most wins ever at CMU. They wanted to win the game because it was my birthday. Okay. So we're losing eight, nothing we're down. And then all of a sudden I hear a guy say, man, we got to win this for coach. This is birthday. Blah, blah, blah. Well, we made this huge comeback and we tie the game up. This kid hits a double tie the game up. Now I have something that a coach usually doesn't have time to do. And that's think, right? It was a pitching change. So I have time to go over all the scenarios. So I tell the kid at second base, Brett, I said, look, if it goes to left field, I'm sending you because he has no arm whatsoever. The center fielder, they're going to be playing up, but he has no arm. I'm sending you. But if it goes to right field, I will not send you no matter what, because he's already thrown a runner out. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's playing up. You're not the world's fastest runner. Plus, we have our leadoff hitter coming up, our one, two, and three hitters coming up. We're in good shape. Do not go if it goes to right field. Do you understand me? Yeah, coach, I got it. I said, Brett, don't met if it goes to right field, don't go. You stay right here with me at third base. I got it, coach. I got it. Well, the ball gets hit to right field. And and what do you think your guest for today's show, Burke, does? Tell me. I I send them. I send them. <laughs> he was thrown out by so, and I just told the kid minutes ago, seconds ago, not to run, right? And I got caught up in emotion, and I sent him, and he was thrown out by so far that the catcher had to go get him. Oh man. Okay, it, it was. I made it. You know, I was stupid. So I told my guys, I said, "Hey, look, get me out of this. I messed up. I didn't say I messed up. I just said, hey, guys, get me out of this.'" And the guy said, yeah, don't worry, coach. We'll get him. We'll get him. 
Well, we didn't get them. We lost the game. And uh, it, it was our home field, and we had the other team scored some runs. We didn't uh, score back, and we lost the game. So as is custom, we meet at the end of the at the foul lines. And I did usually I run down, but this time I walked, Burke. I took my time because I was really down. I was embarrassed, and I wore sunglasses when I coach. And I remember getting to the to the guys, and I put my hands on my knees, I bent over, and my sunglasses were catching my tears. Mm. And I said, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I lost this game for you guys. I messed it up. You guys made this big comeback. You guys deserved it, and I blew it. I'm sorry. Now, I'm not looking at them. I'm looking at the ground. And then one of my, and my pitchers said, coach, if I would have pitched better, we would have won. My catcher said, if I would have gotten that hit with the bases loaded in the fourth inning, we would have won. Coach, if I wouldn't have missed that ball at shortstop, we would have won. Coach, if I'd have caught that ball in center field, we would have won. They were blaming themselves, Burke. Now, to, to answer your original question, if I was an idiot with these kids, if I was a tough guy with these kids, if I was miserable with these kids, no matter what era of kids we're talking about, if you're an idiot with people, you're going to get it back. Now, I blew that game. They, if, if I was an idiot with those guys – they may not have said it, but they'd have looked at me and said, you know what? Good for him. Now he knows what it's like to, to, to lose a game or to mess up. You know what I mean? Or, uh, so by being kind to people, if they're good people, you'll get that back. And as I said, you want to create a, a good, positive culture. And, um, and I'm lucky to have good people because as a leader, you are going to mess up. You really are. And, and I, I know I have. Our guest is Claudio Rosano. He's the head coach at Carnegie Mellon, the baseball program for the last 16 years now. And um, you are all over sports in Pittsburgh. You're not just a baseball guy. Um, I, I was looking at, through some of the stuff that you do on in broadcasting back there in TV and radio. You're involved in in a ring talk show, uh, uh, Steel City Sports World, uh, the Steelers pre snap show. What is it about the Berg, about Pittsburgh? that makes it such a great sports town, no matter what the sport. I think people just as long as I can remember have, has they just love sports. I mean, they're passionate about their teams. You know, I, they love the Steelers the pirates as bad as the pirates have been. <laughs> they love the pirates and the penguins. They love the, and, and you know, the crazy thing is if you watch a, an NFL game, Steelers against whoever, you'll see a ton of Pittsburgh Steelers fans at that stadium. I don't care if it's Denver, New York, uh, Chicago, you'll see, you'll see a lot of terrible towels. You know, we, we travel well. And um, again, it's just a, it used to be a big blue collar town here with the steel mills. Now it's more uh, the medical field and colleges and things of that nature, but um, they're just passionate about their sports. I mean, all the, and that's one of the things that's sad during the, this period of COVID that the, uh, the, the restaurants, the sports bars aren't jam packed because when there's a game, whether they're home or away, those places are packed. And um, it's just the people were passionate about those. I think, I think it's a tradition, you know, your grandfather was passionate about it. Then that meant your dad was passionate about it. He passed it on to you and you're passionate about it. And then hopefully you pass it on to your kids. And that's what, that's what I see from it. When you're out there as a uh, in your capacity as a, a pro baseball scout, and you've scouted, I read over 60 players that actually got pro contracts and, and right. actually signed them. Um, there's the play, and then there's the person. 
And I wonder how much, as you look to sign these players, uh, if, if you're to break it down in percentages, how much of it is their physical ability, their ability to grow into a, a pro player, and how much of it is them as a person and whether they're going to be able to, to handle that sort of responsibility that comes with being a professional athlete. Do you, does, does that factor into it at all? Super, super great, super great question. And I have to say, um, the owner of our company, James Gamble, gave me the break of a lifetime. I'm with, I've been with the Global Scouting Bureau uh, for 21 years now, or 20 years, 20 years. And um, I've been general manager for 19 years. Um, but anyway, I'll give you a story. I always have stories, Burke. I hear that. <laughs> but, uh, you're an Italian. Have, you can tell stories. That's right. I was just going to say that. It seems like you're eavesdropping on me. You listen to my <laughs> conversations before. We were playing a team, and the bus pulls up. And then maybe about a two, three minutes later, this motorcycle pulls up. And this kid gets off in full uniform with his girlfriend in the back of the motorcycle. He was one of the players on that opposing team. And not only was he rude to his girlfriend, he was rude to his teammates, rude to some parents, and, and mouthy to his coach. And nobody corrected him, which I'd have lost my mind if somebody would did that to me or right. to my group. Right. But anyway, this kid, he was he was short. Now, he was only maybe about 5'7", but, man, he could play. He could run. He could hit. He had some pop in his bat, could throw. He was a shortstop, could feel, great feet, good arm, accurate. I mean, he was aggressive. He was really good. and But he was an idiot with everybody. Then, not only that, but he he tried to knock my catcher's head off. It was a, It was a dirty play. And of course, the next time he batted, he got plunked. Um, but but that's another story. But he didn't know that I was a scout. Okay, you never know who you're performing in front of. And there was no way in the world I would send that kid to a coach or to an organization because what would happen? They would say, you know, Claudio, he's a good player, but he's really a he's really a bother. He's really a pain. He's he's not very good. And and you know that's also a reflection on me. And there's no way I'm going to do that. So to me, the first thing I look for is is good people. As a matter of fact, you, I, I know you've heard of the old real estate uh, saying the three most important things in real estate are good location, good location, good location. Right. I, I say the three most important things in business and sports and really in life is good people, good people, good people. If you have good people, you have a shot to do something, um, even if you don't have the most talented group. If you have good people, you got a heck of a shot to 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 really accomplish a lot. So, um, to me, if you're some kind of an not that everybody in sports is is a wonderful person because obviously we see that they're not. But me personally, I will not send or sign somebody, and, and we we'll, we get a short window to see them. So you you know you're looking at the talent. You know you're looking at what kind of person. Yes, um, but I, I remember one time there was a kid who I, I did some lessons with. I do a lot of baseball training. And he was good with me, but he wasn't very nice with his dad. And his dad paid, you know, would pay anything for him to get lessons and buy him shoes and bats and get him the Gatorade. And I told him one time, I said, you know, you're you're a hell of a player. But I wouldn't want you on my team for anything. He looked at me, he said, Why? I said, I was extremely close to my mom and dad. And you have no idea how much I wish my parents were here with me right now. And you have your father here. And the way you're treating him, I said, 
I, I would kick you out of my office in two seconds if you if you if you did that in front of me. And wouldn't you know it, Burke? He went to a college recruiting uh, meeting with the coach, and the coach told me he treated his father poorly in the office. And, and I could after that speech I gave him, you know, he still did the same thing. I, I, I just don't understand it. So for me, uh, yes, you want you want your your big players without question. You need talented players. But I need good people. And like I said, I don't want to have to look at my watch and say, man, I got practice at 3 o'clock. Oh, man, Burke's coming. I don't want to deal with him. Nor do I want Burke to say, "Ah, it's 3 o'clock. I got to go see Claudio. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. And that's why, again, in the book about having a positive winning culture, um, I just will not uh, put up with that. I, I don't accept that at all. I love the answer. And I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Since you're a baseball guy, uh, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame, having said what you just said? Another great question, because I've asked this many, many times on my show. And look, everybody makes mistakes. Now, you say, what about that kid that you saw? That day? Yeah, but that kid did that. Uh, you know, uh, he, just for me, I wouldn't want him on my team. If somebody else wants him, that's fine. That's your business. Right. I wouldn't want him on my team, nor would I send him to somebody because he would just, just, if you saw him, Burke, trust me when I tell you, you would not want any part of him. Now, Pete Rose, that happened in 1989. He has been dragged, kicked, punched. Uh, you know, the thing that's most important to him in life is in baseball is baseball. And he's been not, he's not allowed to, to take part in it, which I don't, I would not say put him on the field as a manager, as a coach. No, you can't do that. That's for sure. As a hall of famer to put him in the hall of fame, I say yes. And I'll tell you why you have somebody named Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who's in the hall of fame. And he was a huge uh, supporter, or if not even starting it, not having African Americans in baseball, right. and yet he's he's in the Hall of Fame. True. Okay. Um, so, and there's a lot of people in the Hall of Fame that uh, maybe we don't know some of the things they did. Maybe some of the things we do know that they did, but that's okay. You know, they're in. But Pete Rose, they will not let him in because of his gambling. Fact. Look, they never proved that he gambled as a player. I know that might be nitpicking. Uh, he wouldn't have been in as a manager anyway. Um, but as a player, nobody would be a better ambassador. Nobody loved the game more than Pete Rose. Okay. So um, do you want him to marry your daughter? Would I want him to marry my daughter? No, that's not what you asked me. You asked me if he should be in the hall of fame, right? Yep. Yeah. You asked me if he should be in the hall of fame. I, I, I think he, I think he should. Let's put the, the shoe on the other foot and we're having fun talking sports today with Claudio Rosano, the, uh, the author of Lead from the Heart Up, not the Neck Up. He's also a longtime pro baseball scout based in Pittsburgh and the head coach of the baseball team at Carnegie Mellon, uh, Mellon University. Uh, uh, somebody is sort of a, a polar opposite in terms of, of demeanor and the way they carry themselves, uh, Tom Brady. What lessons do you think we can take away from, from his 2021 Super Bowl win from Tom Brady? If you're dedicated, first, by the way, you say my name perfectly, Rosano. So you get a thumbs up on that. Uh, thumbs but, up uh, is good. Pepperoni rolls are better, but thumbs there, up. There is. <laughs> and I, we used to make 300 pounds of Italian sausage every year, so nobody made better sausages than us. But anyway, yeah. Tom Brady, to answer your question, without question, it is determination and 
focus. He he's just determined. He's focused. He's passionate, and he doesn't look at his age. And he's always taking care of his body. If you look at his body now, even his face compared to his rookie year, there is quite a difference. He really is like fine wine, where he's getting better with age. Okay, and um, his body is his business. Okay, he takes care of his body, but not only that, but he studies. The game films. He knows he's a coach on the field. And when you have somebody like that who's that passionate and cares that much and is that focused and makes that job, that position so important, man, you and and he has now he doesn't have the greatest arm. He certainly isn't the fastest. He's not the strongest. He he maybe may not even be the most accurate. Okay. But he is in that, you know, some people say he's the greatest of all time. I think he's on that Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, obviously. And from what he did this year, it was because he wanted it. He worked hard at it. And it goes to show you that um, he didn't rest. Like I always tell everybody, I never put my feet up on the desk and my hands behind my head and said, man, I made it. Or I'm happy with my accomplishments. Because I always feel I can do more. You know, uh, Gene Simmons, the guy from Kiss, he said that, you know, he was he grew up very poor, very dirt poor. And he remembers bringing a check to his mom, who he idolized. He said, Mom, look, a 10 million dollar check. And she looked at it and she said, wonderful. What's next? (laughs) You know, and and I love that. And, you know, that's the way my mom was. My mom, it isn't like she wasn't proud of me or happy with my accomplishments she just okay that that's good that congratulations i'm so proud of you i love you but you can do more and, and dan marino he has a saying and i have all these sayings all over my wall here but uh dan marino has a saying you can do more you can always do more so i think that's what tom brady's thing is okay i got seven that's great i think i, I think we can get eight i really do we have a running game we can get a, we have a good defense i guarantee you after he won that after they won I guarantee you, he said, I, th- I think we can sneak eight in. And you know what? If he does get eight, if he doesn't retire, he, he may say, you know what? I think we can squeeze one more thing out of this. You know, And that's, that, that's the fun thing. It's, it's the chase. It's not just the – yes, you want to love when you accomplish it and, and when you get it. Uh, yes, that's great. And, and savor it. And I always say this. I'm happy with things, but I'm never content. You know, I, and I'm sure that's the way he looks at it. It's interesting uh, your analogy there because to folks that don't follow sports closely, they may just look at this guy and say, "Well, my God, he's just—he's the greatest pro quarterback of all time." And and I think you break it down very interestingly. And and it's not uh, God-given talent. It really comes down to uh, work ethic and grit and tenacity. No matter what you do in sports or life, or uh, or if you want to play base for Kiss, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, all of that. Hey, I, I know our time is short, but I, I want to ask you before we jump about your podcast, um, because you get to do something that I think will be fascinating and interesting. You line up sports legends uh, from the past, from your childhood, from our childhood, and right. you get a chance to chew the fat with these guys. So can I ask you your impressions on a couple of your past guests? Of course. Tell me what it was like to talk with uh, the incredible driver, Mario Andretti. I was hoping you'd ask that. You know, um, being Italian, obviously, my parents, uh, especially my mom, you know, loved Mario Andretti. And I was 
four and a half years old. And I don't remember anything about the race, but I remember my mom when he won saying, this is in 69. No, I was five. I was, I was well, four and a half. And she said, Eventuto, Eventuto Andretti in Italian. He won, Andretti won, right? I remember that. And uh, Mario and I connected in 2013. Um, and I, I basically just sent him a letter telling how much impact he had on my life. And, and, uh, to, and, and then I just, after all these years and I had my podcast now for two years, I was a little bit hesitant in asking him to, cause he gets bombarded with interviews and stuff like that. He said, of course I'll, I'll do your show. I would love to do your show, but I'm doing this show Burke. And, and I obviously have to focus on the questions and his answers, right? but I can't help but think of me being a six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 year old kid. You know, and uh, so, but it was really, it, it was magical and it just meant the world to me. And sometimes I, like Barry Manilow, the singer says, sometimes it's good to stand back from yourself and look at your life. And, and I do that a lot. And, and, and I just so grateful for so many things that have happened in my life. But back to that with Mario Andretti, it was just, it was magical. It was crazy. That's fantastic that you had the opportunity to do that. I've got, you got many Italian American friends, and uh, you know you you, you have uh, a, a portrait of Christ, uh, maybe uh, Mother Mary, and Mario Andretti and Frank Sinatra on the wall, that's right. and and that's you know that that is your Trinity right there. So. There you go. That's right. Hey, you you mentioned earlier in our conversation that you had the opportunity to chat with uh, a boxing legend, the Great White Hope, Jerry Cooney. Uh, what, yeah. what kind of shape is he in these days, and and what was that conversation like? What is he doing now? Another great question. I, I, I was, I'm very fortunate. I, I've been involved in uh, loving baseball since I was eight years old, and I've met so many athletes, and I've become friends with so many of them. A lot of the guys on the show I've been friends with for years. But um, anyway, Donnie Lalonde's the former lead heavyweight champ of the world, and we've become f- family. And so Donnie and I went to the to Canastota, New York, for the Boxing Hall of Fame, just to just a, we had a business meeting there. So who do we see? Jerry Cooney. And Jerry Cooney was one of my favorite fighters. And, you know, and he, he said, Hey, Donnie, he grabbed Donnie. Now Jerry's about six, six, Donnie's about six, two, but Jerry's a big wide guy. He grabs Donnie and he says, cause both of them had very similar upbringings, very, very tough, um, not good homes. And he said, Donnie, we made it. Look at us. We made it. And in the boxing world, not too many guys make it, Burke, because unfortunately they lose their, their fortune. Jerry is, is doing fantastically well. He's physically, he's in great shape. Mentally, he's in great shape. He owns a gym in New Jersey. He lives in New Jersey. He has a, uh, a uh, XM radio show on boxing to, on Mondays and Fridays. He just finished writing autobiography or a biography um, last or two, two years ago. Um, he's doing well financially. Great. He has three kids. He's married. He is doing fantastic. He makes a lot of appearances, plays a lot of golf. And um, it was, you know, the, again, the interview that I had with him, as I said, I'm living in the same house that I grew up in the room that I'm in right now, talking to you. And then I do my show from, I watched his fight back in 80 against Ken Norton or 81 uh, when he blew Ken Norton out in, f- in 54 seconds. And, and um, it's like, you know, it's, it's just kind of weird. I don't say the word cool, but it is cool because 
you know, here I am, you know, we're, we're, we're friends now and it's, uh, it's crazy. But anyway, he, he's doing very well. He's doing very well. Great to bring it full circle. You know, I grew up in, uh, in Southern West Virginia where we were all, uh, uh, Pirates fans or we were Cincinnati Reds fans. And you talked to King Griffey senior. Yeah. What kind of guy is he? You know, another good guy. And I didn't know Ken, but the owner of our company, scouting company, James Gamble, knew him. He said, would you like to interview Ken? I said, I said of course. And, you know, I, I I admire so many athletes because that's the world I'm in, right? But not just because they are great at what they do. To me, they have to be good people. Back to that again. And And if you're a good guy – then I'll follow you and, and uh, then they'll have impact on me. But Ken was a great guy. I mean, you know, he, Hey, he's won two, uh, a couple world series. He's an all-star. His son is who his son is a hall of famer. And look, I'll be very honest with you. <clears throat> I know some people who, <clears throat> excuse me, who haven't accomplished all that much. I mean, there's some high school coaches that walk around like they're big time bird. And you know what? Nobody's big time because as Ray Boo Boo Mancini, the boxer, said it's a quick trip from the penthouse to the outhouse. That's right. <clears throat> okay. But here's a guy like Ken Griffey Sr. and Jerry Cooney and Mario Andretti. You can't get any bigger than those guys. And yet they're the nicest people. You know, they'll talk to you. They'll, they'll, they're, they're kind of, I've seen them with people and how they are with people. I mentioned Boom Boom. It took him, <clears throat> we were at this, uh, he was at a casino for the opening. It took him maybe an hour and his wife said, Claudia, this is going to take a while for him to get from one room to the other, uh, to the car because Hey, boom, boom. Hey, he's taking pictures. He's shaking hands. Uh, and that's what that to me is what's important. If you're a good person, but Ken was great. And, um, it was, it was a thrill to interview him. Although having said that, you know, I was a huge, huge pirate fan. I mean, I knew those old pirates from the seventies. Right. Yep. And man, you just hated to see them play the reds and the damn <laughs> Dodgers. I mean, <clears throat> Oh my God. They were, those teams were just so good back then. And the pirates were good too. But I mean, that's when those teams were just loaded. I mean, you look at the reds roster, my God, and the Dodgers is like, but you know, the pirates were damn good too. But, uh, and the personalities were big back then. I, I spoke just, uh, earlier in the week with with uh, one of the original, uh, you know, the, 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 I always call them the, the fa- fabulous five of the Harlem Globetrotters when the Globetrotters were yeah. the biggest thing on earth. You know, yeah. the, the Meadowlark Lemons, the Curly Neils. Yes, I talked to yes. Matt Branch last week, and he was one of those guys. Oh, wow. And, and uh, it seems like in, in the 70s where you didn't have 500 channels and a million different podcasts and right. radio shows that – if you really broke out to that that point, and you were Johnny Bench, you were a big damn deal. If you were you know, Nate Branch, if you were Ray yes. Boom Boom Mancini, you know. Yes, and and it's again, it's funny you said that because two years ago I was invited to the uh, 1979 Pirate World Series reunion, and it was a little little banquet get together. And when those guys entered the room, and unfortunately one of them, who was a very good friend of mine, Grant Jackson, just recently passed away a couple weeks ago. When these guys enter a room, now you got to remember, Brooke, these guys are in their late 60s and 70s, right? They brighten up the room with their voice, with their presence, and they just have these big personalities, right? And then you mentioned Johnny Bench. They just did a great documentary on him a couple years ago. Yes, he's Johnny Bench, but there's something, there's an it factor that you just can't put your finger on. Uh, Joe Montana wasn't exactly, uh, you know, he didn't have the personality of a Joe Namath, but he still had an it 
factor. Yes. Uh, and, and Joe Namath was, you know, I, I remember meeting him a couple of, oh, geez, in 2007. Um, and I, I got to share this real quick. When people, the, the, it was like a zillion people there waiting to get his, to get the book signed, right? Including me. And they said, look, all Mr. Namath can do, and he grabbed the mic and he said, Joe. They said, okay, all Joe can do is sign his name. That's it. No shaking hands, no pictures, no talking. It's not him. It's just we have to get going because there's so many people. The very first person who, who went up to him had a Manaka shirt on. Manaka's a local high school, or at least it was. And he said, Manaka, you're from Manaka? He goes, yeah. He said, I remember back in 1959, he started telling <laughs> the story. He would take his ring off and put it on kids. Unbelievable. I mean, just the nicest guy. I mean, and he's Joe. You can't get any bigger than Joe Namath. And he was just unbelievably nice. And um, to me, that's when the guy, that's when they're my guy, you know, when they're, when they're getting, I have pictures of Namath here in my office as well. Uh, and, and um, so again, yes, you, you can be great at what you do. That's terrific, but you have to be a good person. But like you said, these guys have personalities. It, it's just unbelievable. And I think that makes it tougher for, for guys of a certain age, like you and I to look at, uh, and, and it's a stereotype, of course, the, the you know, spoiled pro athlete uh, of today who, who you know, can't carry uh, the water of someone like that in terms of how they treat their fan base. You know, again, forgive me for repeating, great question, and it's like you're listening to my conversations. A couple years ago, the Dodgers had three pitchers who combined no-hitter, right? So the announcer said, so how does it feel to be a part of a no-hitter? And the one guy goes... Uh, it's pretty cool. Wow. Okay. Uh, what, what about you? You know, you got the last thought. What'd you think? Oh man, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was really cool. I'm saying, and then uh, it was like maybe three, four years ago when Andrew McCutcheon, former, very popular Pittsburgh pirate came back into town and the pitcher, uh, whoever the pitcher was, we faced them and not they, the Pittsburgh fans gave Andrew McCutcheon a standing ovation. So they asked the pitcher, how was it? To face Andrew McCutcheon, or no, how was it to listen to that standing ovation for your former teammate? He goes, "Oh, it was, uh, it was pretty cool." Okay, how was it to face him? I mean, was it funny? Was it different? You know, he's your former teammate. Oh, it was, uh, it was cool. And I'm saying, is this all you can say is the word "cool"? Can't you come up with anything else? You know, like there's no more Reggie Jacksons with the interviews that he gave, or a Namath, or even Ricky Henderson, or I mean, there's no insight, there's no personality. Um, Dave Parker, when the leaves turn brown, I'll be wearing the triple crown or Reggie Jackson or Joe Namath with his predictions. And I'm not saying you even have to be that vocal. Like, a, like I said, a Joe Montana, he had an it thing about him, you know, and, and I, I'm not, I don't mean to criticize today's players, Bert, but it's almost like drinking tap water. I mean, it gets the job done. It, it quenches your thirst, but it's not really. You know, I don't know. It's uh, like when a couple of several years ago, I had tickets to the very first front row seats at PNC Park. And I remember telling my friend, it was me and my wife, my daughter, my friend, Rick. I said, Rick, can you imagine if we were this close, inches close to the big red machine? Right. Can you imagine? Or even like I said, I never got tired. I used to go, my uncle used to work at Three River Stadium. He used to take me to locker rooms every Sunday from 73 till about 82. And these guys were like, oh my God, they're like gods and their personalities and the things that the way they behaved and joked around and clowned around. And I'm fortunate enough now to be invited to play in about seven, six or six to eight 
celebrity golf tournaments a year, and these guys participate in them. And sometimes I'm looking like, what the hell am I doing here with these guys, right? But they have big, they're so wonderful with people. And and one more story. One time we were going to New Mexico uh, for a celebrity golf tournament, and there was guys you know from the '70s Pirates, '70s Steelers, and I said. If this plane goes down, I'm the only one they're not going to mention, you know, but, uh, but, but, but you're right. You know, they have big personalities and it was a great era and you and I, and, and don't forget now when maybe our dads were making 20, 25,000 a year, these guys were making, you know, 180, 150,000. So, but it's not the gap that it is now, you know, right, that I making. Sure. but still those guys made nice chunk of change, but it seems like they really loved the game and there was something about them. There was a, a mannerism that you could copy or the way they batted or Richie Hebner, former pirate used to kind of pull his back, back of his collar and lift it up or, you know, just the, maybe the way they wore wristbands. I wear white shoes to this day and wristbands to this day or something on my wrists because of Joe Namath. I wear a number 16 because of Lee Mazzilli. So those guys had impact on me. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's the case anymore with athletes and kids. I, I don't know. We now both, my friend, sound officially like we're a thousand years I'm old. I'm telling you, I'm 56 and I sound probably like 86. <laughs> Those damn kids these days. Oh, my food's <laughs> too right. rich. Oh, my hip. <laughs> Lottie Rosano is our guest today. Check out his book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck up and it's available at amazon.com wherever you get great books and you, you can get on my website claudiorelsano.com and you can listen to my show on claudiorelsano.com it, it, you'll butcher the spelling but somehow it'll end up uh, uh, on, on my page google spell check is our friend hey thanks for spending time with go. us today Burke you did a fantastic job I really man it went quick and you have a great voice you had great questions and I really really enjoyed doing this and you do a fantastic job thank you so much My pleasure. Hope to have you back again. And thank you for listening. Wherever you are, whatever you do today, go out and make it a great day. Thank you, Speaker Match, for sponsoring the show. Bye, everybody.